Here we are. We are back on Survival Worldwide right here on Reality Pop. And today I am joined by the awesome LaRue Bota, Creative Director of Survivor South Africa. LaRue, welcome on. How are you? Hi, Riley. Thank you very much for, for the invite. And I'm, I'm doing really well and very happy to be here and uh, excited to, to have a chat with you. Of course, we're just coming off an epic season, Survivor Season 8. Immunity Island, and what a great season it was, of course. Many of us were entertained by the massive cast. And I suppose I'm curious to know, um, how, how did you feel about the season overall? Were you happy with the end result? Obviously, we've got some great characters. Some even in the chat today, I've seen Santini and, and Mike floating around. How, how satisfied were you with how the season turned out? Um, I am over the moon about how it turned out. I, we couldn't have asked for um, a, 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 the season to play out any better. Um, I must say, um, if we had to do the same season and put the same cast in, I'm sure it would play out completely different, but it would be as enjoyable as, as the season has been. Um, there, uh, I'm very happy with, with uh, the, how it kind of turned out. Um, there are some lessons that, that we've learned um, in the season, stuff that did work, stuff that didn't work. But um, yeah, it, it, um, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, as a fan watching it back uh, every Thursday, it was uh, a great joy for me just to kind of know it, this, is, this is a good season of Survivor. Yeah, so I'm curious to know, what was your involvement with Survivor beforehand? Um, obviously, I, I assume you were a fan since day one, Borneo, when, when Sonia, Rudy, Richard rock, rocked up and pulled a tiger and, and, you know, got going and launched the phenomenon it is today. Um, how did you get involved initially with Survive South Africa and how long we've been working on the show? Right, so my fandom basically started 2001 when the first season was broadcast in South Africa. Um, and um, my... My husband and I just basically got together, um, and uh, that was our, our Tuesday night, um, Monday or Tuesday night kind of little thing that we did with our neighbor. So um, we, we, we were, would order pizza and sit down and watch Survivor every, every Tuesday. And, and it was like a little ritual kind of at the beginning of our relationship. And, um, and so, so both myself and Henry, um, my husband and the uh, executive producer of, this, <laughs> of the show, um, we've been basically fans since since the start of it. Then um, I, uh, the first season wasn't, um, I applied for the first season, um, but because Henry was working at, and, and I applied for the second season as well, um, didn't get in, but um, the re I got to the panel uh, just before the panel interviews. Um, and um, Henry at the time was working for Mnet. And mm -hmm. when when the big boss, who was part of the casting at that point, saw me and knew that Henry and I were together, it, it kind of threw a spanner in the works. So I couldn't I, I couldn't enter. But um, what podcasting was just kind of rearing its its head at that time and so i um basically became a podcaster um and i we myself and our housemate at the, at the time we podcasted about season two um it was called the unofficial survivors a podcast and we would kind of dissect <laughs> it's very weird uh, but we would di dissect the, the episode every week afterwards and then post that on um, 
on the podcast universe, which was very small at the time, because the technology was, technology was brand new. So um, that was kind of my uh, first involvement, and, and that was for season two. And then um, I was working in the TV industry at the time, but um, there was an opportunity for me to, I, I actually hounded the series director on, on, on that, on season three, and I said to him, listen, um, I know you're producing the show. I know I can't enter the show, but could I possibly come and work on the show? So I had my first interview with them, um, thought it went really bad, uh, the, the interview. And then I got to work on, on Survivor South Africa, Santa Carolina, which is this, um, the third season. It was also Nico's first season as host. And um, we shot in, uh, in, in Mozambique. Uh, it was, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that in itself was an adventure and it was really kind of, um, I, I remember distinctly kind of being on the, on the beach the first day and, and, and my first interview was with Ashley Hayden and we, we had the conversation and it was as if I was always supposed to be <laughs> on the beach doing, uh, doing, uh, what I'm doing right then. So, um, after that, uh, Hundry um, uh, left Emnet and he became freelance and he was head of content for season four, um, Maldives. And then we, so we worked together on season four and then season five, um, which was still under uh, then Endemol South Africa. Uh, Endemol then uh, kind of disbanded in South Africa. So the, the company closed down. Um, and we went into a six-year hiatus for Survivor South Africa after season five. Um, and then I, <laughs> uh, I kind of uh, said to, to Hundry and our um, other business partner, Darren, um, I, I want to find out what, what are, what's up with the rights for Survivor South Africa. So I, and they said, no, it's, it's not, not, let's not go there and let's not kind of go on that uh, tangent. And then um, it, uh, it, it so turned out that I kind of sent a, an email to the head of Castaway, um, who is the was at that time the format rights holder for South Africa, um, before Banerjee brought them over. Um, uh, um, and, and the lady that we spoke to, I've met before on season three and season four because she flies out to kind of come and consult on a production and, and kind of give ideas and that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's part of the format. And so I sent her an email and I said to her, hi, I want to find out um, what are, what's the status of Survivor South Africa and the rights for Survivor South Africa because we might be interested. Um, got a reply and uh, um, Hundry and Darren was going to London to go and uh, um, shop a few of our formats um, around and, and they met up with uh, the, um, the format holder and uh, the rest is history. We, we got the format, we went to Mnet, we said we're prepared to do this as a, an advertiser funded program if, if you are not interested. But we really think that there is a, there is a market for Survivor South Africa, and so they greenlit Philippines, 
we we did Philippines, and it uh, it turned out that uh, morning, Chris. Hey guys, apologies for being a bit late here to the stream. I was having some issues with my technical issues to get my internet working properly, but uh, I see you guys have started, so we're off to a good start. Apologies. No worries. Um, I was just tell, uh, telling the story about how I got involved, how we got involved in uh, in Survivor. So, um, Henry and Darren went to London and they met up with the format holders, and then um, uh, we pitched it to Mnet um, and said said to them we. We're willing to, to put our skin in the game and uh, um, you know pay half the format format fees. You guys come in on on the other side and um, and they kind of agreed to that. And that's basically how we got to be the producers um, of Survivor South Africa. And um, Philippines happened, and then um, Island of Secrets happened, and then Immunity Island happened, and. Here we are at, at the end of uh, Immunity Island, and um, very happy with how it's turning out. Um, I know there's a lot of people who are going to ask about season nine. I'm sorry, I can't say anything yet. Uh, we are we are still waiting for the green light on it. Um, but uh, I suppose the the hashtag "We're not if" is is back in play for for this one. So, yeah. And we got our fingers and toes crossed. So um, let, let's just hope that Su Survivor comes back for season nine there. Um, obviously, Survivor South Africa Philippines really um, almost coincided with a, with a renaissance for international Survivor, obviously with Australian Survivor booming and Survivor South Africa. Uh, lots of global viewers. Um, I know myself in Australia, obviously, I started watching around Survivor South Africa Philippines. Um, and I know a lot of other fans as well, probably some in the chat as well from all over the world, New Zealand, the United States getting involved. How cool is it to see Survivor South Africa get all this attention from around the world? Um, it's it's very cool. Uh, the the fact that we are um, one of uh, th three English speaking versions of the show, I think, has a lot to do with it. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that um, we are basically in the middle of Australian Survivor and US Survivor. So we're kind of that the, the middle path at, at, at this stage where um, there's aspects of Australian Survivor and there's aspects of US Survivor in it. Um, and, and we're trying to keep it as pure as possible, but with still modern twists. So um, uh, it is just to have that recognition in terms of the global fan base and the global audience really um, uh, is a feather in our cap. And, and we are very grateful for, for the viewers around the world who have bought into Survivor South Africa. So yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Australian Survivor has just recently been picked up by Paramount Plus over in the US. Um, is this something that in the future, I know you guys have partnered with 10 Play recently. I'm hoping that's going well and that that arrangement has brought a whole bunch of new fans that can legally watch the show. I know that's a, a big issue with a franchise such so popular as South Africa. Um, are you guys considering branching out to other countries that are also sort of watching the show? Um Look, if 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 there is a, a, a broadcaster in the UK um, who wants to produce Survivor and they have the rights and whatever, and they they need a production company, we're putting up our hands right now to to produce that for them. 
Um, we, um, I'm, I'm really hoping that, that something comes off this whole template deal. Um, mainly, uh, but, but it, there is a rights issue, um, uh, which is a, a big thing in terms of, uh, of uh, the territory where, where the show is going out. Um, the fact that um, Tenplay is part of CBS, um, I think, uh, and CBS is part of Paramount, I think that's the big reason why an AU is now available on Paramount+. Plus. And um, and I would not I I would not be opposed to becoming part of Paramount Plus if that is if that is an option. But um, the rights thing is quite a is quite a big thing, um, and the, and it's quite technical uh, to kind of everybody to plug into where the show is going. Now, quite interested, you know, you mentioned that you've been involved with quite a few seasons here. What does the creative process look like for you guys as producers after Island of Secrets, moving from Island of Secrets, learning from what works, what doesn't work, and how did you apply your learnings in Island of Secrets, sort of moving into Immunity Island? Because it was a second island-themed season that you, you guys had. Yeah, so um, the idea for for Island of Secrets but, uh, came from, uh, I mentioned it previously, um, came from uh, the fact that people in Philippines couldn't keep a secret. Um, Katinka's, uh, if, if you all remember, Katinka had like a really, um, she was quite chatty and uh, all the secrets were spilled. So the idea for Island of Secrets kind of came from that, from that point. And then after Island of Secrets, we kind of realized that there's certain things that don't actually didn't actually work um on um on island of secrets and and that we could make it better the reason why we moved into island of secrets and then immunity island as themed and not go to a specific area not call it survival wild coast was mainly because of uh, the casting and, and getting the show out there so there's um, we had to go with a themed um, season on both on both uh, Island of Secrets and Immunity Island uh, because of the fact that we didn't know where we were going. Um, and to get the casting going, you have to have a, a theme. So kind of that, that's um, why we went for those. Um, the learnings that we, we got out of um, Island of Secrets basically um, was about how the um, how the format uh, could be could be changed to um, to help the players um, be better at having to choose who goes um, I mean that was the first learning was we had to um, it, it wasn't after a reward challenge it was after an immunity challenge that you basically, um, gave the, the players an opportunity to save somebody from the opposite side. So that was the first learning. And then um, I think the, the biggest one was to, you have to work, make a decision, have a dilemma um, at the island uh, and not just arrive and get something. You have to give the, the castaway a dilemma. Um, and do you give up and go or do you stay and play? And there's consequences on both sides. And I think that that learning kind of 
changed where we were going from Island of Secrets to Immunity Island. And I think that worked out pretty well um, during the season. Absolutely worked out well. And I, I really thought it almost reminded me a lot of Survivor US season 36 Ghost Island, but just done a million times better, where, as you say, there was that consequence of either staying and playing or giving up and go. Before we continue, I do just want to acknowledge everyone in the chat. Um, so hello to Dylan Fury. I've got Santony in the chat as well, which is always great to see some former Survivor castaways here. Jenny, as always, uh, a regular in the chat. Um, Chris Dixon, of course, is here as well. Uh, we've also got, I saw Mike Laws in the chat as well for a, for a period there. Mike, of course, one of the great pre-merge characters on this season. And um, as Chris knows, one of my favourite castaways from this season, Kiran Nadu, was asking Chris Dixon what happened to Chris Swanepoel earlier on. Also, <laughs> JC De Silva, welcome to the chat as well. If you guys have any questions throughout, just let us know and we may end up asking one of those. Uh, on the topic of Immunity Island, though, LaRue, I do want to ask, um, obviously there were lots of twists throughout the season and I know you spoke with a number of uh, former castaways. Nikki Dunzer, I believe, came up with the idea for the fire idol and I know you spoke with Shannon Gates and also Mike Bloom around some of those advantages. What was the sort of creative process into creating some of those advantages? Because obviously some of them we had never seen from before in seasons like US Survivor. Obviously Tide Destiny is one that was borrowed from Koh Lanta. Um, what were some of those processes that went into creating those new advantages? Um, right. So so just to, to give you a little bit of background. So when, when, um, when I started developing a, a, a new season, um, I did it on season six. I, I started developing season seven uh, on the day of merge. So that's kind of become a, a, a thing now. Um, so uh, we started developing season eight on um, on the merge day of season seven. Um, and the same has happened now for season nine. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting to kind of go um, what what do you want to do with this season? Where where do you want to take the franchise? And what are some of the the, the things that you can incorporate that will make the make the show better or make the show pop a little bit more or um, have, be an interesting thing that people haven't seen before? So um, I what what I usually do is I start off um, with the layout. How many uh, how many days, uh, 39, um, and then go, um, how many people, and then start kind of filling in ideas of challenges that, that could work and, and getting a flow of the, of, of the challenges. That being said, this changes all the time. So there's, um, um, although season nine hasn't been greenlit yet, I'm on, version 12 of season nine's content rollout already. So um, we work ahead. I, I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm a uh, forever optimist. So I always believe that, you know, if you put your mind to it and you put it out in the universe, shit will happen. And, um, and so that's just me. Uh, so I don't mind keep working on it because um, I'm passionate about Survivor and uh, and I, I want to make it work. But I am... Um, there's also quite a lot of people that reach out um, to me on on Twitter and on uh, Instagram, um, and and some people have great ideas, um, and 
if you if you are a fan of the show, you are going to have an idea about how to do something different on the show. Um, and it is it is so important to listen to those ideas because you, you get really fantastic um, things that come out, even if it just sparks another idea and, and you can tweak tweak the idea. So um, specifically for Immunity Island, um, I uh, have a, a deep affinity for, for, for Mike Bloom and Shannon Gus, and, um, and we've, we've always kind of chatted. I started chatting to them um, during season six when they started covering it. Um, so we've really become good friends. And then when we, when we were developing season, when I was developing season eight, I one day just, we were on, um, on a WhatsApp um, chat and I said to them, listen, um, would you be able to spend like two hours, three hours with me? And let me just talk you through Immunity Island. Let me just talk you through the idea and let me just pitch this to you. Um, and and so that's how they became the uh, consultants on, on season eight. Um, um, which is fantastic because it brings a completely different point of view and, and you kind of start thinking through uh, other concepts and ideas. And I mean, I, we had the conversation, they, they gave their input and then I kind of stood back again, let it simmer a little bit and then made an uh, executive decision to, to go with some stuff and not go with some stuff. So um, that creative process is is ongoing, and um, I, I I love interacting with with, with people um, about Survivor and, um, and and hearing ideas about how the show can be better and what we could do to make it better, and then incorporating those ideas and you know giving a, 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 a an end credit for um, for an idea that was used is. The, the best I can do. I can't pay people because our budgets are um, this small compared to uh, AU and US. So, but we 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 do our best and you know give credit where credit's due. So, yeah, I'm putting I do it have out a, there. <laughs> I do have a question on a twist, but before that, I want to acknowledge one of the questions that's being asked here in the live. It's a bit of a cheeky question, but um, we're not above that. Uh, Ulrika here is asking, where did the coconuts Ooh. come from? <laughs> Because we know it's not right. native in South Africa, right? Yeah. Um, so um, after the night that we had, uh, I think it was episode 12, um, we we realized we had to kind of do something to to add to the, the food situation. Um, we sourced um, coconuts from uh, a supplier close by uh, who imported from... Mozambique, um, sugar canes readily available there, uh, and we we did place it on on the beach. It, it didn't magically fall from heaven, um, but I think it it added a little bit of uh, more 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 spice to the food general food theme of of this season. Um, and and we, we 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 sometimes do that. We um, Usually, what we do is we, we we plant like a banana tree or uh, a fruit-bearing pawpaw trees um, uh, on the beaches. We did that in um, Samoa. We did that in Philippines. Um, 
before you start shooting so that it kind of established and it's there and you kind of have like a uh, give the give the illusion that there is fruit readily available um but because coconuts are such a staple in in survive in the survivor universe we we kind of had to bring in uh the the coconut so donkey Ulrike, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's something that that a lot of people have uh awesome. <laughs> wanted to know <laughs> I picked it up immediately that episode that he had the coconuts and obviously being from South Africa myself, I didn't know what a coconut was until I moved to New Zealand. So I was very surprised to see a coconut pop up there. But um, I do have a question, I guess, about the location. You know, we, we had to do this season in South Africa due to these, you know, unforeseen circumstances in regards to the pandemic. Um, how, you know, how much did it help logistically? doing the season in South Africa, because I did notice that the challenges seem to be a lot bigger and grander compared to previous seasons. And obviously you guys are trying to constantly improve. Did it help being able to source materials and things like that locally? So um, the, the big thing about, um, about the bigger challenges and so forth, uh, we, we have been, we're always kind of pushing to to go a little bit bigger every season. So um, specifically with this one, we we had that big uh, build, um, and that was an intentional uh, decision on our side to to, to go a little bit bigger. Um, the the fact that we were in in SA didn't detract from that. We had always planned to go bigger on that, but. Um, because of the pandemic, the, the the way that we had to shoot was so much different from previous seasons that we that we were in. Um, we had um, obviously we had to to bubble, um, basically form a COVID um, COVID free zone for the players to play without masks, for the crew to work in. Um, so um, the players were quarantined for. 12 days, um, they all had PCR tests bef bef um, uh, before they started, then quarantined for 12 days. The crew was quarantined for four days, five days, um, with um, all, all the crew getting PCR tests as well. And, and that formed basically a, a closed set uh, bubble for the crew to start working in. But in that bubble, we had pods that uh, you have to work in. So uh, you had a content pub, uh, a pod, you had a camera and audio pod, you had um, uh, our department pod, uh, internal and then an external our department pod. Um, like for instance, if I had to go and, um, so I, I usually go and check all the games and check all the puzzles and sometimes play them as well. So I had to mask up completely um, gloves and all that type of stuff. If I handled some pieces of, on the puzzle, um, and um, the the rest of the art department who was outside of the bubble had to basically leave the art department when I came in to come and test these things because they were outside and I was inside. Um, we had we had so many protocols that we had to follow, and it 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 was and that made it. A little bit more difficult than previous seasons where you pop over you pop over the road um in el nido 
to the art departments there and everybody's kind of working and you know you check all the idols and all the different kind of uh puzzles and stuff and or when you were in Samoa I'd, I'd take a take a run to the art department to go and test games run back to the hotel um so there is um there is a lot of 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 that that was missing this season also we had we didn't have um we, we didn't have the skills that we had in the Philippines. The Philippines, the the, the work, um, the, the local labor um, in the Philippines are phenomenal. They are craft craftsmen of note. The same goes for for Samoa. So we didn't have that. So we had to employ more South African crew to fill in that um, skilled. Um, uh, specifically, in our department, uh, skilled. Uh, people who can can create these beautiful things. So um, the crew was bigger in in uh, the Wild Coast than it was uh, the South African crew specifically bigger in uh, in the Wild Coast, all South Africans, uh, than it was in Samoa and um, in the Philippines. Um, how it how it changed though was um, we we were all in the hotel. We are one wing of the hotel. Um, we had to walk out. We had a separate uh, dining area. Um, they, the, the bar, uh, we had a separate bar, but we, we, we could only go to the bar in pods. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday would be our department um, and, um, uh, and content. And then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday would be so it, it was it was that kind of juggling that was was going to happen and um, and then um, we, we the, the nice thing about shooting in South Africa was the fact that um, you could order from your favorite online shop and it got delivered to the hotel and um, you know there were ways and means that made it a little bit easier for the crew to kind of stay in touch with, with family um, and get stuff to their hotel room that uh, otherwise uh, in, in other spots you, you would need to go to town or, or that type of stuff. Yeah, you just ordered online and stuff got delivered to your hotel room and that was that was great. But um, it, it the logistics behind the season was um, challenging. I can imagine. I do have a follow-up question here. Obviously, the logistics being in South Africa, like you said, there was a lot of challenges. There were a lot of people in the online community that noticed that the castaways had windbreakers and raincoats this season. Can you talk a little bit to why that was necessary to give that to them on this season compared to a season that is out somewhere on the islands? Okay. Um, uh, we that, that was a call from our medical team. Um, the the drop in temperature from um, 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 on the wild coast specifically, um, we shot November December, which is just um, uh, getting into like high summer um, in on the wild coast, and uh, but the drop of temperature during the night, specifically in rainy season where we were in, um, was not the same as it was in say Samoa or in the Philippines. When, when the temperature drops in the Philippines or in Samoa, it drops by five degrees. So you still have, and the rain is, is uh, cooler, um, 
uh, or but it's 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 still a warmish rain that that falls there. Where in on the wild coast, it's thunderstorms and lightning, and very very frightening, and it uh, really. Um, the temperature drops like that. So, from a medical point of view, uh, the medic, uh, the medical teams, the doctors um, uh, said to us, "We need to, we need to allow them to have some sort of protection, specifically for for nighttime. Um, otherwise, hypothermia was because hypothermia was a, a, a real thing um, on the season. So, I hope that kind of everybody calms down about the." I, listen, <laughs> as someone as someone that has been to Fiji and Samoa, because it's just around the corner here from me in New Zealand, I can tell you that the humidity there is different to in South Africa when it gets cold. So that's more for the fans out there that thought that there were double standards. But I do I do think that's why we probably have never seen a colder season in the US as well, to be honest. Some no, people absolutely. have asked for it. Um, the, the, the big thing is um, Survivor in its, in its how it used to be before COVID was you want to see um, people take off their shirts and run around in their underwear. That, that is part of the thing because um, that, um, I don't want to call it salacious because it's, it's more kind of a um, voyeurish type of, of uh, vibe to it. Um, but that, that, that they are basically stripped of everything that they have. Um, and that's, that, that was part of, um, and I say was because it, it is changing. Um, that was part of the initial kind of look and feel of, of Survivor Global. So it's, it's um, you want to see people, uh, you want to see skin. And, um, and that was the big reason why uh, the format kind of uh, suggested heavily that uh, it should be a tropical location with um, where, where it's warm weather, warm ocean. And for years, that has been kind of the standard. But because of, of COVID, that standard has now been adjusted. Um, I know Sweden shot their, um, uh, shot a season of Survivor in the summer, in July, um, in Sweden as well. And um, that they also had jackets and there was also just the initial outcry of um, why are these people wearing jackets? But um, once, once the show got going, it, uh, it, it really kind of pushed towards a, uh, a great season of Survivor. So um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I, I completely understand it and I fully subscribe to that as well. You do want to see skin um, because it's, it, it's, it's kind of human nature, but it's changed now and um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to it. So, do, do you find that being so close to the franchise itself that you hear the negative more than the positive when people come at you as well because it's your baby that you're trying to nurture out there? Because my sort of feedback that I've gotten from the fans in general, and Riley, you could probably agree with, a lot of people are saying top five, top 10 season. Um, if you look at any of the global seasons together, I think a lot of people are pretty high on it. It's definitely my favorite season. Is it hard to sort of sometimes, I know you're so accessible to the fandom, but do you find that you hear more of those bad things than some of the positives? Because I feel like, you know, if you can do nine out of 10 things right, it's a pretty successful season. Uh, thank you. 
Um, I, I kind of feel we did nine out of the 10 things right this season. Um, uh, there are some things that, that um, didn't work that was a little bit OP. Um, um, for instance, um, Chappie's uh, immunity win with the breakfast with jury member. I mean, mm. that, that won't happen again. Uh, I promise. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so definitely, um, the, the negative stuff kind of it, it, it's heard. I don't pay attention to to haters. Um, I, I feel bad for for people who um, who get hate on online. Um, uh, I, I really think it's so unnecessary. If you are a fan of the show and you hate on somebody, that is. That is just not on in my books. I can't do anything about it. I can I, 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 I can say, please remember that this is a game and people are playing this game and you cannot be nasty to them, even if you have big feelings about them. Um, but I mean, next to kind of, I, I, I don't want to get into a, an argument with somebody online about... Um, mm about jackets uh, honestly um uh life's too short for that if you if you feel that strong about it then you know go and do something about it i mean and, um but so i'm uh i i i do listen uh i do take it in i do understand that there are people my i don't know how how big are you on my dad always always says uh, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, so um, <laughs> you kind of just have to go with it. Um, and and uh, like Dylan says now in the comments, hashtag don't be a doer. <laughs> it's as simple as that. <laughs> just be lucky. Thanks, Tristan. <laughs> Now, positive opinions. Uh, Santini here in the chat has asked you, who is your favourite international survivor player of all time? And I suppose in this context, it'll be maybe one from US and one from Australia. Um, what's your favourite season? I suppose to add to uh, Santini's question there, who is your favourite tie-dye-wearing South African survivor as well? <laughs> um, I, I have a, a big affinity for Rick Devins. Um I, I was at the uh, finale for Edge of Extinction in, in Los Angeles and um, at the after party, uh, the, one of the executive producers in, invited me and uh, so I went and um, met Rick there um, and we ended up chatting the entire evening. I mean, there were a lot of other people there that, I, that I met as well, um, but uh, he was... Um, he was just such a mensch, and um, I, so I have a lot of love for Rick. Um, we, we, he was actually planning to to come to South Africa for the finale, um, so we had big plans. He was going to fly in. Pandemic was going to be over. He'd come stay with me, and we could go out to wine farms and uh, go to the finale, and you know all that type of stuff. And obviously, that didn't happen. But so I have a I have a lot of love for for, for Mr. Devins, um, and then Australian Survivor. Um, I really it, it, it's a toss up between um, Nick Danza and Harry Hills. Um, 
both of them also superhumans, and uh, you know, I'm I'm all about that superhuman superhuman life. So, um, uh, and then obviously those are kind of if if I if you are putting a gun to my to, to my head to kind of go okay, the favorite players, um, but I I do have quite a lot of um, contact with other people as well um, that kind of has popped up and said hello. Uh, Adam Klein. Uh, wonderful um, uh, and and uh, actually I don't know if, if um, some of the castaways told you the story but before the season started um, I got a whole bunch of previous South African players and a pre um, and previous US players to send shout outs and, and it was like a three hour video um, that of, of just what what they would say to themselves before they started playing and all of the castaways watched this the day before they started playing um uh there was quite like i know dino um said to me the other day i think and um, that screwed him up because he was so amped after that that um he just wanted to play so um but uh, um a, a lot of them kind of jumped in and, and said by all means let me let me send you something so um I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go for for favorites on the South African um, cast because um, I have a lot of favorites. <laughs> that's 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 fair, especially with your position. Um, I just want to say hashtag release the Leroux cut for um, the advice that these survivors gave to all of the players who went out there to go play the game. But um, Leroux, on a I guess on a note, sort of here with. Um, I saw a few questions here in regards to an all-star season, but I don't want to just ask you about an all-star season only. I want to run a few themes by you and ask you how likely are we to see these themes within a South African franchise when we get to season 40? Because we're hoping that it's going to get there. Um, so if you can say between likely, not likely, and maybe, you don't have to justify it. Um, and I'm going to run a few themes by you. So blood versus water. Blood versus water. How likely or not likely or maybe? Likely. Likely. Okay. Fans versus fans versus favorites. Likely. All stars. Very likely. Okay, the next one I'm going to get Riley to say because this is his idea. All right, I'll say all stars battle of the seasons. So last three seasons, Philippines, uh, Island of Secrets, and then also the latest one, Immunity Island, battle of the seasons. Six six versus seven versus eight. Um, yes. Uh, I like the idea. Uh, I I have I have a cast for that. Uh, it, it is in my it's in my it's in my head. Um, I don't think the channel's going to go for it though. Fair enough. So I guess this kind of leads into a question that I saw here in the live, which is: Would you consider bringing people back from season one? to season four, but let's add season five because we didn't add that in there um, when you do an All-Stars, or is it predominantly the ones that Afrikaans have been involved with that you would think about when uh, doing an All-Stars season? Um, is it wide open? I would not be opposed to bringing back players from season one through five at all. There, there were some really standout characters. Uh, it would be a shame to not have some of those standout characters be in a returnee season. Um, so... Uh, it, like I said, it's all dependent on on the powers that be, and uh, we we do pitch a lot of things to them when we when we decide on themes for seasons and so forth. Um, and um, 
yeah, so there is always a possibility um, for any iteration to kind of jump up. Um, but yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to continue because I've got a few more themes here that I want to run by you. So cool. um, this one's quite a this one's quite a selfish one. Um, expats versus locals. Uh, it's very difficult to cast, um, but liking, I want to say. Great. Okay. Yeah. I'll put it in the likely bracket. I, I like that. Okay. Moving on to the next one here. Uh, David versus Goliath or champions versus contenders. I guess they kind of fall in the same bracket. Um, to be quite honest with you, um, that would be a newbie season. It wouldn't be a returning player season, but um, I would probably try and we would probably so this is if you've got 40 seasons right this is if you've got 40 oh, seasons, oh, okay. 40 40 seasons. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and then the last no, one here one that i one that i really like but we've never really seen it on survivor is a rival season do you think that there would be a space for a rival season on survivor yeah absolutely um there's there's um if you if you look at um the different seasons i mean take take season three for example um where somebody like ashley hayden was dominant she had the same amount of immune immu uh, individual immunity wins as chappies had uh which is phenomenal i don't think ashley will ever play again um i, I i'm in contact with her and, and i i have asked her previously but you never know i mean maybe maybe, maybe one day but um, her big rival rivalry was between her and, and Kaz. He hated her. Um, and to, to put them in opposite tribes and, and see if they would work together uh, would be phenomenal to see. So, I mean, like I said, I don't think Ashley would ever play again. I would love to have her back. I mean, uh, I have so much respect for her as a player and as a human being. Um, she's kind, she's generous, she's... Uh, a phenomenal strategist um uh, so so I, I would not be opposed to it but i don't think she, she would ever play but a rivals rivals um if we're talking 40 seasons absolutely yeah because you need you need a few more rivalries we had some good rivalries even in this season i think that uh, a few nemesis you know, to steal Santini's uh, winning there, got created this season. Um, but also the last question here before I go back to Riley, um, what, what's your thoughts on an international crossover season? Would Survivor South Africa ever be interested in having like an Australian versus South Africa? I know it's going to be tough to get the US involved because that US dollars is tough to compete with. But from a Survivor South African standpoint, would you guys ever be interested in doing some sort of crossover with international Survivor? I, I likely. Great. All right, Riley, you go ahead. I got all my questions answered. That's me for the night. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, um, I, no, I, I suppose Chris. I, 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 I spent some, I spent some time with them with uh, uh, a voice call the other night uh, with with some fans, and um, and I said to them, and I'm going to say it to you guys as well. We have, I have in my head. Um, Survivor South Africa plan for the next four seasons up until season 12 um, and uh, it is always evolving and always but I, I know exactly what 
what I think Survivor South Africa needs for the next four seasons. Um, and it is very exciting. And um, yeah, so, so in my head, the plan for the next four seasons is already in motion. Now, Chris sort of brought it up there with the US dollars and, and obviously that would be a bit difficult to make work with Survivor South Africa and Australian Survivor being um, on a lower budget. I know Australian Survivor works with about a quarter of the US budget. How does your budget look like compared to Australian Survivor and Survivor US and, and how do you sort of get around that and, and, and make the great challenges and, and the great production that you do? Okay, so um, uh, if... AU is a quarter of the US budget. We are uh, not even, I want to see one, one eighth of the AU budget, just to, to put it in, in that kind of layout. Um, our budget is uh, obviously with the RAND being what it is, um, with our economy, what it is, uh, it is, um, it, it's very difficult. It, it is also in its big, biggest show that they have to spend money on because it is cock expensive. But the fact of the matter is, um, for us as, as producers of the show, um, we always want to put in its money on screen. So we're always kind of going, let's rather spend the money and put the, put the visuals on screen and put the right people on screen so that it um uh, the show it is better and um and that's i think why we are kind of on par with uh, I, I, look au's production value is in, insane they have big challenges and big things and you know it it it, it looks it looks amazing and I'm very impressed with, with AU. Um, the same with the, with the US, but it also they, they have the money to, to make the show happen um, on that big scale. We, um, I suppose it's, it's like the Hamilton line. I'm just like my country, young, scrappy and hungry. And, uh, and, and we, we, are hungry to make the show work and we are hungry to make it look as amazing as possible and within the parameters of our budget so yeah it's a it's a very difficult one for us to kind of um manage but uh we we really do try to make it look fantastic yeah it's a it's a good question there by um dylan in the chat because you know for me when i look at the show and when i watch it i in all honesty i don't say this just because you're on the live view with us today i don't see the difference in the way that the camera works done i see a big difference in the way that it's edited and the way that the cast is on the show um you know if you could talk us a little bit through and i don't know if that's your department or if you can give us a little bit more insights without giving the trade secrets away it's kind of like the kfc recipe here at the moment you know only the <laughs> colonel knows and the colonel in this case is little butter i don't want him to give us all the secrets in regards to how brilliantly they put the survivors of africa and edit together but can you talk us through the thought process when a season like this finishes you know how long does it take to go through those hours and hours of footage that you have and how do you put storylines together without telling us too much um i guess 
because we don't want to know like one of the the great things about survivors of africa is like i was wrong like 80 percent of the time here reading the edit thinking i could you know crack the da vinci code but can you give us a little bit more insights of what that looks like in regards to from the point where you finish shooting to the point where you have to like go through the process of creating these storylines for us to enjoy as fans right so um in terms of the edit um it's a it's a very interesting kind of uh part of the show um and i love being in the edit with with survivor it is um it is such a fun way of of storytelling and i i think that's kind of where we are very lucky Our our editing team um i mean compared to australia um compared to the us our editing team is tiny it is literally uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people in total, eight. So our lead story editor um, is uh, a chap called Craig Blexley, who's worked on uh, all eight seasons of Survivor South Africa. Um, so Craig does most of the reality cuts. Um, then we have um, Dennis Knoblauch, who is uh, one of our challenge editors, and he does travel council as well, together with Jack Esterhazen. So between Dennis, Dennis and Jack, they do all the challenges and all the travel councils. Um, travel council is actually the, the, the big cut of three hours um, of a, a travel council is actually cut down to for duration and for content by Hundry, the executive producer. So Hundry is also on the editing team. I do all the previously ons, next time ons, um, all the promos, uh, all the marketing material. Um, I do myself. And then I also do all the, the graphics and all the um, end credits and all the paint shots. So um, I'm part of that team. And then we have um, Sky, who is uh, um, Sky and Kudu. He is, uh, does night cam. Uh, and um, also reality. Uh, and then we have our, uh, who's number seven, Sky? Uh, and then Sean Samuels, who is our uh, post assistant. And he basically does all the Ponderosas um, and he syncs up all the, all the interviews and uh, marks all the interviews. So he's basically assisting, but he's also ed editing all the Ponderosas. So a very tiny team. Um, how that happens is basically as the as the show happens uh, in real time on the island, every the content producers um, then basically uh, have a content meeting at the end of each day. Stories kind of um, gets laid out, uh, selections of stories gets made there, and and that basic storylines then uh, go to the editors who start putting sequences together. Uh, once those sequences are kind of put together, then um, we then go through and, and say, okay, this is the storyline that we're following here. This is the story that we are, uh, this is probably going to end up on, on, a, uh, on the cutting room floor. This is definitely something that could be in the show, but if we need to lose time, this will be a secret scene. Um, and, then, and then everybody kind of just runs with it. Um, and then once the episode gets put, um, uh, all the different elements come back, our last member of, of this small team is Andrew Dixon. And Andrew takes 
all the different pieces and he puts it together and then he starts making small little cuts to get it into duration. I sit with him, we watch the episode through, um, we make cuts again, then we sit with Hundry, uh, the executive producer, and then uh, watch the episode. That gets um, an offline version and gets sent to uh, our commissioning editor, Emnek um, Terja, she signs off, um, changes gets made, and then goes to mix and grade and then it gets delivered to 10 plane Mnet. So there's the, that's just in broad strokes how the, how the show gets put together. But really it is um, a very small team of people who love what they do and, and know what they do. And have been doing it uh, very, very well this season. Um, and, and they are the true legends behind getting the show to the audience. Now, Kiran do obviously, a castaway on this season. He brings up something up in the chat saying, it feels like a lower budget means more reliance on curating a cast as opposed to a in US who can spend money on more fantastical twists. Um, this cast really hit it out of the park. And I, I, I do believe I said this to Chris during the season, really a Kagayan level of cast. Um, you, you look at characters like Chappies and Santini who obviously made it deep in the game and even to players in the pre-merge, Jason Brookstein, a great character, went out his first boot. Of course, Dino and Carla, also big characters in the pre-merge. Um, how, how focused were you in the in the casting process? Uh, I know a lot of them were big fans of the show going in. Um, and I also want to ask you as well, the random tribe swap on day one, uh, the, the random tribe draw rather, um, was that a decision that was made beforehand to have a random tribe draw and, and mix things up in reaction to what happened on Island of Secrets potentially? Um, yeah, so, so um, once we knew who the cast was um, and, and who was going to play with who, because we, we all the psych, uh, psych evaluations between them, um, we kind of do like a, 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 a play of the season and we think who would play with who and who would kind of clash with who. So that, um, that happens after the casting, but we, we always knew once we knew who the cast was, that it was going to be a, a random draw for who goes into each tribe. Um, because everybody could play with everybody. Or, and there would be enough tension with, with any kind of mix-up of the characters. So that, that was kind of what I thought was behind the random draw in the beginning. But... Um, yeah, uh, the, the, the casting is is such an important thing, part of, of the show. Um, and I, I really do think that the fact that this cast specifically had um, eight months uh, to think about how to play Survivor, and, and that, that's why they came in playing really hard from the get-go. Um, because basically casting was done in December 2019, um we um we finalized cast or the, the, uh, the final final cast by february um in towards end of february um and then lockdown happened in march and we had to phone the final group and say to them listen you're almost there but not quite. Um, you're gonna have to, we're gonna have to wait because we've been postponed um, indefinitely. Um, and I think 
with lockdown that that kind of activated quite a lot of of the cast members to kind of go okay how am i going to uh, it's given me time to think about how i'm going to play this game um, and 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 uh, you can see it in the way that they that they went about their uh, um, the people started watching a lot of people um, came up with ideas uh, i know there's puzzles worked out and books and all that type of stuff so there's a lot of stuff that happened in that eight months before we actually kind of pulled trigger on the um on the show and said okay you've been cast and ready to play and um and i think that had a lot to do with how how this cast kind of went um like a bullet out of the barrel yeah it was exciting <laughs> from yeah, from the beginning right through till the end, it was exciting. And um, I'm sort of curious because obviously myself and Riley, we took a stab at predicting who was going to do well in the season. We were we were mainly wrong. I think Riley had the best prediction with uh, Nicole Vilmans being his first female pick for the season. So he took out the crown at the end. But for the rest of it, you know, we had a bunch of players that made it very deep, very low um, in our predictions. Do you guys, you know, you've got a little bit more sort of backing there with psychometric tests and things like that. Do you guys have your own stab in the dark in regards to who you think is going to go deep and who sort of delivered on your expectations and who under-delivered um, for you or who surprised you, I guess, this season of the cast that we had out there? Um, with regards to favourites, I, I learned my lesson um, in, uh, in on the first season that I worked on, on season three, because um, Ashley was my favourite uh, working on the show from the start and you know it's just just uh, incredible and uh then she got uh screwed over in that final tribal council uh by people who don't actually know how, how the game is supposed to be played anyway um so <laughs> from there on I, I i vowed never to make predictions about who or put fan favorites in um uh in, in front this is this is going to be um this is my winner pick or something like that it, it um it also feels uh, a little bit more like um i should be um impartial yeah impartial about the uh, uh, who who is going to play um with regards to this season i uh, i mean there are so many great players that have played this season that um a whole bunch of them are in uh, in the chat as well uh, and uh i'm uh, what surprised me was the fact that um people even even though they that they went into the game knowing what they knowing that they are going to be a physical or strategic or social threat um that, that they still went into the game and tried and played and played hard um, and and that's a, that's something that is was quite beautiful for me to see um, after after somebody gets voted out um, the tribe buggers off back to camp and and then we bring the, uh, the, the the whole crew gathers on the on tribal council and they and we bring back the the contestants um, who was voted out uh, and every single one of them kind of um, teared up being in, in the presence when, when when they get the applause with the crew coming in um uh, and it's and it and w what is amazing is that each and every one of them left their heart on the playing field and and that's what you want you want you want people to 
really play super hard and uh, and entertain and, and have showmanship and, and, you know, just give their all. And, and, and we got it in, in spades this season. Absolutely. Uh, who is a Steeland in the chat here saying you should be as neutral as Switzerland. Um, and of course, that is always wise advice. Don't want to give your favourites like Jeff with Boston Rob there. Um, uh, you mentioned Ashley Hayden and GG, obviously, that, that final count, uh, tribal council. How tight-lipped do you have to keep about the winner and, and how many people actually know of the final result at the end of the day? Do you guys film alternate endings in Survivor South Africa? or um, uh, And how many people are actually privy to the result before the actual final reading at the reunion? So um, once once we go for the vote in, um, uh, it is we literally um, vacate the control room. Um, so it's it is uh, the audio guy who who is um, has the um, the castaways and must check the levels of the castaways when they actually uh, give their voting reasons. Um, he is not privy to see who, who the person is voting for. Uh, so he can't, he's in his little booth. Uh, the, the cameras are switched off. So he's literally just checking um, audio. And then it's myself and Henry in, in the control room. I'm, I'm checking uh, focus. I'm checking that the cameras are okay. Um, and then, uh, so, so nobody, nobody but, but us two knew who the winner was, not even the editors. They only found out in the last week. Um, so um, that also speaks to the the beautiful uh, moments that you yeah. see during the edit. Um, and um, if you if you go and I, I, I said it to somebody the other day as well. If you go and relook, uh, rewatch the, the entire season, knowing what you know now about the winner. Uh, Spoiler alert! Um, <laughs> um, knowing what you know now about the winner, you'll see that that there's a through storyline during the entire season. Where, mm. And she's in every episode. She has at least one confessional. There's always uh, an, an, uh, a positive um, edit to um, to her edit, um, and that that is um, and that speaks to us telling the story in, in such a way. Um, to be fair, it's it's the Schwartz and all edit, as they call it, um, where Tom Schwartz was a a, a mess, but mm. uh, it, it wasn't a winner's edit at all. But um, it is that kind of edit that if you go and rewatch it, you will know why the winner is the winner at the end of the at the end of the series. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was I was shocked, and uh, I think a few of us compared um, this edit a little bit to Tom Swartz, but I am keen on rewatching it with specifically that in mind because that's one of the things as a as a diehard Survivor fan, um, I like watching a, a season over and over to look for those hints, the little Easter eggs that were placed throughout the show. So you've got me hooked, and I think it's good for um, rewatchability because I'll be jumping back on Ten Play and giving it another watch. So hopefully that'll help you guys as well. Good. Um, I did see a question here um, 
in the live chat asking if it was intentional for some players to know each other. Um, it came out that a few players didn't really know each other closely, but they knew of each other or they went to mm. the same university or, you know, they were in the same sports club. How, how difficult is it in a country such as South Africa? Because obviously, you know, the U.S. has got 300 million people. Um, South Africa is about, what, 50 or 60 million. So it's a lot smaller country. Um, how difficult is it to try and cast people who don't know each other? And do you guys sort of, find out about it as the show is happening and you're like oh i didn't realize these two these two may have had a connection um that they're bringing into the game um the the, the big thing about that in, in terms of casting is um has a lot to do with with um the broadcaster so in it 101 um is a a premium service in south africa so it, it it's a thousand rand a month for for in 101 um which is a lot of money and not a lot of people can actually afford uh, you know, the, the premium bouquet. So if you, if you look then at, um, at casting from, from Mnet, uh, your casting call goes out on, on Mnet 101. It also goes out on, on the other Mnet channels, which is in the lower tier bouquet. But most of the people who enter um, Survivor is from the premium bouquet, which has, I'm not completely sure about the, the, the amount of people, but in the region of 100, 150,000 subscribers. So it, the pool is already very small. And then you are looking at a higher LSM in terms of the, the, the people who are actually subscribed to it and who are actually entering survivors. So that pool becomes smaller. So it's not just the 70 million South Africans, it's now 150 of which only 3,500 people, 4,000 people would, would, would enter. And, and, and therein lies the little thing. Those are people who went to the, went to the same university, has similar jobs, know people who um, are on social media, who are influencers, who have um, connections um, with yoga studios, um, who uh, were at the same high school uh, in, in Durban. Uh, and, and, and that is kind of where, where, where the shift comes in, where on day one, where they realize, oh, oh they're here from, from yoga, from the yoga world, or hey, we went to the same high school, or um uh that, that we're from the same town we, we used to live like 50 meters from each other and we we didn't know so um i i think in that regards it is a um it's it's a a, a much smaller pool to actually choose from um where the us cbs um you you have a much larger pool um of people who enter the show much higher number of people who enter the show and that makes a hell of a difference in terms of people not knowing each other yeah but it makes 100 percent sense no it answers it answers it 100 and it also brought up another question so i've been chatting while the season's going on quite a bit with felipe shout out to felipe on facebook if he's watching this he probably won't watch it live because uh it's in the middle of the night over there now but he runs a facebook page survivor fans worldwide and he asked me the question about diversity um once and he said you know with survivors of africa there is a lot of diversity but it's still you know if you're looking at south africa um you probably have a black population i don't know i've been out of the country for about 12 years now so 
don't shoot me if I'm wrong, but it's close to 80 or 90% of the population is black. Um, but when you look at this pay-to-view channel, which has got a very small number of people watching it, are you trying to sort of look at the uh, different um, people that are watching that show and trying to make it a true reflection of the people who are actually paying to view this channel? Is that being taken into consideration when you're looking at a, a cast that is very 50-50% or how do you sort of put that cast together? Um, yeah, I mean, um, our, our directive um, has been from from when we took over the, the franchise was to always go 50-50 in terms of, of POC and, and uh, diversity. Um, and it is it, it is a thing that um, people have now picked up because um, because Survivor SA is now available on on different platforms as well. So it's um, on uh, not only on in Australia, but it's now on Showmax and it's on DSTV um, uh, DSTV streaming uh, platforms as well. So the the diversity is is um, and and also um, in it speaks to uh, the amount of, of of people who people of color who have entered um, in the past um, three seasons, and it started off with um, with a fantastic cast of um, uh, persons of color uh, from from season six, and then moved to seven, and then and now with eight as well. So there is a, a lot of that happening in terms of. Um, uh, a shift in terms of representation um, to make it more representative of where South Africa is as a country and where South Africa um, is in terms of diversity and, and what is being portrayed on screen. If you are going to call it Survivors in Africa, then let it be a, a, a closer representation to what the re representation in South Africa is. It has a lot to do with with the channel though. It has a lot to do with, with who is watching um, in mid 101 and that is changing. It's um, it, uh, and and we are open for the change and we are open to to go with it. So let's see what happens. I'm curious to know, Larue, because uh, you're, you're probably more in the know about the actual TV ratings numbers than we are over here. Um, how is how is the show performing compared to previous seasons in terms of demographics? Obviously, I know it's on a subscription-based channel, um, so you're not getting as many views as you would be on on the free to air um, normal satellite. But how how are things be going with with demographics, ratings, um, time slots, all that? Um, the ratings for this season has been good. Um, uh, Compared to six and seven, uh, it is it, it is pretty much on par, um, and uh, that that bodes well for us um, for um, future seasons. Um, I think because the landscape is changing, um, they are taking a lot of other things into consideration in terms of ratings now. So uh, the the ESBOD system in South Africa is is picking up. So there's and um, the, the uh, uh, people are binging it a little bit more. They're waiting a little bit longer for for people to to catch up on on, on the show to add that to the ratings. Um, people's viewing habits have changed um, in the past uh, year specifically uh, with COVID. People are much more open to binge uh, an entire season than they are to um, tune in weekly 
at 7.30 on, uh, on a Thursday. So that, that much, and, and people also then have the freedom to then rather rewatch it on, on a Sunday. So, but with all that being said, um, uh, the channel's very happy with, with how the show performed this season. So yeah, that makes us happy. That's great. Um, so we've got a question here from Dylan, and he asks if you need Mnet to apply for the show. And I guess the other question here is, what would be the easiest way for people to find out when they can start applying for the next season of Survivor? Um, uh, you don't need Mnet to apply for the show. Uh, uh, and if you are, if you follow Mnet on Facebook or on Instagram or on um, uh, Twitter, they will always kind of post that and um, if you are following other survivor contestants previous survivor contestants you'll know very soon uh, when, when the show um, is uh, is casting so um yeah you don't need to have uh, the premium subscription to be on the show you just need to be a south african citizen now, Lerubuta, we've kept you busy here for quite a while, answering a lot of our questions. And myself and Riley, we're both very thankful um, that you took this time out today to talk about Survivors of Africa Community Island. We hope that with Reality Pop, that this becomes a thing where we can call on you once after the season is done every year, where we can do a little bit of a debrief on the things that work well, how did you put it together, um, and give fans a little bit more access to ask questions to you directly as well here on the show. I know it's getting pretty close to South Africa playing the All Blacks, so it's going to be a little bit of friendly rivalry even though i do still shout for south africa not the all blacks it's been pretty tough being a springbok supporter in recent times but um Leroux, it's been great talking to you about this season and i do want to thank you for just the amount of access that you gave a small little podcast like ours um to the survivors of africa immunity island cast to be able to do the exit interviews um this season and you know thank you very much for the buffs i know riley's wearing his one today we really appreciate that as well um and you know we hope that we can have you here as a as a yearly type of thing and we get you on the show more often thanks very much chris uh, riley i really appreciate it and i really appreciate what you guys have been doing for for the show um every little bit helps um i was talking to riley earlier and and um it is it, it is amazing how the international uh online community has has mm. taken to survivor south africa community island and that and that i think is the future there, there is some sort of change happening in terms of uh the global survivor um community and and that is super exciting for me um i i do think that uh, podcasts and 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 uh, streams like yours uh, is going to become more and more uh relevant um specifically uh, uh where we are as a species on this planet and i am am very thankful for what you've been doing uh, specifically for for our little show at the southern tip of africa thank you hey, obviously it's close to my heart being from south africa originally as well so i will always talk about survivors of africa i've been very proud talking about it this season but like i said we really thank you for your time and if you can hold up for one second as i just finish it here i definitely want to have a word with you just before we finish because sure. i didn't have that opportunity to talk to you before we went live um guys everybody that was in the live here for this whole season thank you so much we have got one more episode coming out which will be next weekend which is our retrospective with a bunch of fans we've got um also uh, scott from 
from Slaying the Dragon podcast, who will be for the first time, will join us here on Reality Pop to talk about this season um, as well. So that will be the official end for us uh, when it comes to Survivor South Africa, uh, Immunity Island sort of work. But we do have some off-season content coming in regards to who myself and Riley would love to cast. Cast If we were in LaRousse's shoes, who would we cast for an all-star season? Where do we rank this season compared to other international seasons? And a whole bunch of off-season content that we will still be doing for Survivor South Africa. Um, as always, guys, catch us next time here. Keep, uh, hit the subscription button if you haven't actually been here before. Hit a like on this video. It does help with the YouTube algorithms. And we'll catch you next time. Goodbye, guys. Thanks, guys.